As you probably know, I've been living in Saigon, Vietnam since July 2019. And one of the reasons why I've lived here so long is that I found a selection of places that give me a home away from home feeling. One of these places is Paperbacks Saigon, a bookstore with two lovely locations in District 3 and also online. They have genres from fiction to nonfiction, English books, graphic novels and more. And they also do custom orders. So if there's a book that you can't get your hands on, they can help you out with that. Where you can find out more details are at paperbacks.saigon on Instagram and www.paperbacks.vn. I will include the links in the show notes and I highly recommend you check them out for all of your reading needs. Thank you and on with the rest of the show. Hello, welcome back to Comeback. As usual, I'm your host Connor and today we are going to talk with Geneva who is initially from the Philippines, currently in Vietnam as part of our house. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and seeing where it develops. Hey Geneva, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Just came back from a rescue road trip actually. In Dalat. No, Ooh, um, in Dak Nong, okay, cool. which is like a 10-hour drive overnight just because we were crossing the highlands. So yeah, it was wow. a crazy trip. Yeah, so you went for the weekend? We went for the weekend. This is the fourth rescue road trip actually, and we can um, dive deeper into it later. Of course. But we brought about like uh, 10 people with us and we all went to the shelter and then went camping and actually hiked um, first time to hike for many people and it was amazing that sounds incredible and you got back late last night actually just this morning really ar around 2 a.m yeah and you've come to the podcast at like yes. 11 a.m i'm very <laughs> impressed i actually i did see you there and i don't know how i think there was a girl sophie was she there yes yeah yes, the, yeah i don't want to sound like stalkerish but i went on the thing and she yeah. said our house at retreat and i thought yeah oh, that you know struck me because of this conversation on Monday yeah. and for some reason I thought it was Dalat I've obviously got the D's mixed up yeah but then I thought well that's quite a while away like what time will you be back but I'm glad you got arranged <laughs> that's commitment I admire you and just before we go into like the mission and what it is mm -hmm. and what the retreat's about etc mm -hmm. can you tell me a bit more just as a general overview about your background in the Philippines okay um I've spent more than 10 years in advertising I'm a graduate of fine arts majoring in visual communication so actually that's really the major that most advertising people take, but usually when you're um, art director. I actually went into copywriting just because I happened to do both. And yeah, after 10 plus years in advertising, I am now fully focused on our house as the creative director. Right, I see. Why did you initially choose like, advertising in that route? Oh my gosh, there was, um, at first, I actually wanted to be an animator uh, okay. and like um, a software game like designer for like the stories because I, I just wanted to be a storyteller. And then I took one class in advertising as an elective and it was like, I really meshed with a teacher and he told me like, you have to try out for an internship. And he just so happened to be the chief creative officer of Publicis Manila. Right, I see. And so when I tried out for the internship, I realized like, wow, um, the thing with advertising is that you get to craft so many stories and you get to talk to people. Like, um, you know, trying to touch them and trying to hopefully not give them insecurities, but give them empowering messages that will, you know, make them feel like the brand is a part of their life. And it was it was such a fun time, actually. Absolutely, it sounds it. And did you have to 
deep delve into psychology aspects as well. Yes, uh, yes. You know, the amazing thing about advertising is that you work with so many brilliant people. I have to say that the most um, amazing minds I've ever met were in advertising. Like you have no idea how much they think, like all of the different um, personalities, we have to know how we're talking to them. There's a difference in how you talk to the market, for example, in um, what we call socioeconomic class A, B, C, you know, um, the more affluent versus the ones who are trying to buy like sachets because they have families to feed. And it's also interesting and it all helped me, I believe, like really empathize with different kinds of people, which is also the reason why a lot of advertising people go into the loony bin. <laughs> right, I see, I see. Yeah, the concept of empathy comes up on almost every podcast now, yeah. of really knowing your audience and, you know, certain people will react to certain situations differently, whether this be advertising or life, I suppose. And so I feel like this can give you a very good background into human development as well and the way people think and consume. Uh, how did it develop then from when you began? What Do you mind telling me a bit more on some perhaps campaigns that you worked on mm. in the Philippines or Vietnam or yeah. elsewhere? Okay, so... Um... My most recent one was for a sunblock brand um, and the campaign was about like turning it into sunshine and that was just coming from the most recent like you know pandemic cool. right like um, then the campaign was about telling people like okay you're not getting out much you're not gonna travel much but we're here to support you and we're here to keep you from getting those again a little bit of the insecurity part the aging process that that you get from all of the stress that you're going undergoing while you're working from home but here instead of just focusing on that we try to give a message of telling people that whatever happens in your life you can turn it into a ray of light and so that's where the empathy part comes in is like um, the advertising industry has actually started to evolve because people have been, this is the amazing part, people have been calling out advertisers for doing the wrong thing in terms of morals and in terms of like, why pander to insecurity? Why give, why make people feel bad about themselves when we have the voice and we have the power to make them listen and see a better world, realize a better world? Right, I see. I was actually going to ask that, like, how do you navigate the other side of things where perhaps, and I don't want to use the word prey because I feel like that's a bit strong, but, you know, advertisements, perhaps dwelling on people's insecurities. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. Prey is the right word. Right, okay. Prey yeah, yeah. is the I right I didn't want to word. sound too strong, shall we say. But. No, I actually feel super strongly about that. Like, um, there was recently an, an advertisement that was like, everyone in the industry absolutely hated it because it, it was no longer what we stood for. Um, I think it went viral and they had to take the advertisement down because it was the ad. It was this um, society's pretty girl um, watching news. And as she watched the news, she transformed, grew body hair, gained weight. And then they said, like, um, don't forget to be beautiful during this pandemic, something like that. And that was terrible. That was the most terrible thing. And everyone was so up in arms about it. And that's what we have to do like in any industry is we have to police ourselves from bringing out the worst in people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean like, you know, to imagine being someone, being someone who undergoes such stress 
and you're not supposed to be thinking about how you look but how you're supposed to grow as a person and here's an advertisement from a big brand telling you don't forget you need to look this way it's mm. terrible yeah it's dangerous and it can send the wrong message yes. for people's well-being moving forward yes. can i ask you like related to that and i guess advertising in more broad terms how do you uh, condense perhaps an idea into say a 30 second advertisement because i can imagine the whole process takes a long time mm. can you tell me a bit more about that actual process because i've never worked in advertising so mm -hmm. i'm mainly curious mm -hmm. about the ordeal yeah okay the biggest thing about advertising for you to be able to communicate with your audience is to always think what's the big idea so we usually come there we're usually given a brief and we're coming from that brief to think like for example um how do you convince from from the campaign before how do you convince um uh people to use sunblock for for your indoor stays, right? Despite the fact that you're no longer traveling for, for the time being. And then um, what's the big idea? The big idea was, you know, to basically see every moment despite the fact that it's not so bright as a ray of brightness in your life. Make it, um, if you can't have it, make it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It goes to a responsibility aspect where often you can't control events. For example, the pandemic, you can't control the fact you can't travel but you can make your own way of getting that sunlight, whatever that may be. It's yeah. like taking personal accountability. Yeah, yeah, and still like that concept of self-love. So, you know, um, one of the big things, so the big idea when it comes to creating a campaign, and also right now, like for any new advertisers out there, I would suggest you really focus on how you can do good because that will resound so much better with your audience rather than, um, you know, the shock value, the preying on insecurities part, yeah. that's going to make an effect. For but sure. on the long term, you're also going to look back at the ads that you've made and wins at how what you've created. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. You don't yeah. want to do that. You have to think of your motivation too. Like, yeah. were you doing that in terms of it would get more views for myself or more, I guess, attention rather than your core values yes. you know what i mean it's a difficult yes. paradox yes. and can i ask you about a concept that i mentioned i heard you on milan's show in full effect so mm. i'll shout that out shout out milan you're doing a great job <laughs> um the north star can you tell mm. me a bit more about the north star yeah so the north star is something like um not necessarily having the path directly in front of you you know um there's a saying actually if the path you're on is smooth it's because it's someone else's yeah, pretty strong, right? I love a quote. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when it comes to the North Star, what I mean by that is knowing what direction, what general direction or um, location you want to place yourself in. Do you want to be in, for example, for me, in right now in animal welfare and social impact? Do you want to be in advertising and being a creative director? Do you want to be, you know, what you're doing right now, right? Which is like podcasting and, and getting all these insights from people. Now, that is your North Star. However, for so many people, there are no real steps as to how to get there. But if you know your North Star and you simply make whatever step you can to get there, then for some reason, the world, the universe will conspire to bring you there. Despite the fact that the path is rough, the path probably you have to like 
you know, mow the lawn for a bit and get there to, until you get there, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what the North Star is. Like, some people never get to their North Star because they're so afraid of the path that does not exist yes. in front of them. And that's what I mean. It's just like, pave your own path. This is, there are billions of us and don't take your own life too seriously to a point where you do nothing. Yeah, for sure. Find, find, that, find that place go to that space and just commit to it and you'll get there. It's like analysis paralysis where you can overthink and get to that yeah. point of looking at the North Star solely and not looking at the 500 steps you have to take exactly. to get there. Just exactly. ignoring it and realizing, oh, well, I need to actually do something. Yeah. yeah. And in the part of that, that North Star, knowing your general direction, and we've also discussed this in Ovid Milan, like you have to be comfortable enough talking to yourself. Because if like... Um, if you don't know yourself enough and like, for example, you do these steps and then you just do what is expected of you rather than what you think, hey, maybe I can push this or hey, maybe I need to step back a little for my own health. Those are kinds of conversations you need to be taking as you take your step to the North Star because here's the thing, you're alone. You yourself are the one going to that North Star, no one else. And you have to be able to keep yourself in check. You have to be able to comfort yourself or give yourself that push. No, you can do it. You can do it, right? Like, Absolutely. Um, we're, we're, so, we're so young right now. But when we're much older, I think that the biggest regret may be feeling that emptiness of being that I didn't pursue that, um, that direction because I was too scared of the path. Absolutely. And it leads me to a point of, say, core values or knowing yourself. Do you think you have to have things in place for yourself, like core values, to really know that that's the way to the North Star, for example? Like, do you have any, I guess, recommendations or any insight into how you can know yourself? I know that's a very broad question. I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, I guess it's easy for me because I'm an introvert. And possibly... Um, I think I may have been born a little bit this way where, um, you know, I was already writing poetry as a young kid and about how like um, lines such as, you know, the depth, the being so affected by um, Van Gogh's line, the sadness lasts forever. I mean, that, as a kid, that's pretty heavy. So I may be um, a little bit ahead of what other people have not yet started among themselves as a core value or as talking or in being comfortable with themselves. But what I'm going to recommend is really taking time to actually be silent and not feel like you have to talk to someone, be out and about. You have to be able to be in a room like this, you know, like, yeah. and be ready to, to put together your thoughts. As I always say, create a diagram visualize your life and then from there you don't even need to have like your core values like you don't need to have it written down because it can change you can change you're going to evolve and that's the process like for example um okay i want to be in social impact um, my core value back then was let's say tenacity but my core value right now is peace that doesn't mean that i've changed my north star it's just that i've changed the path and how I'm, uh, I've changed how I'm um, directing the path. 
right, in front of me. Know your goal, but be flexible of how you get yes. there. Yeah. Yes. Like know your destination, but be flexible about the journey. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. Because the journey is a fun part, but it's also the most unexpected. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, just a quick word from one of the sponsors of this show. You know, I have lived in Saigon, Vietnam since 2019. One of the reasons why I have lived here so long is that I have found a selection of places that give me a home away from home feeling. One of these is the Shamrock Hoi An and Da Nang, based in the centre of the country, but moving upwards to Hanoi and downwards to Saigon. The only place in Vietnam where you can get Guinness on draft. It is a unique Irish, authentic experience with culture, live music, food, and a direct atmosphere to the unique Western culture to be enjoyed by both expats and locals alike. Vietnamese, it's the perfect opportunity to experience this local culture and make friends with Westerners. For tourists, expats, those home away from home, it is a perfect place to explore your Irish roots. You can check out the links in the show notes and I highly recommend you check out the Shamrock, the Guinness and everything else that the bar has to offer. That's the Shamrock, Hoi An and Da Nang. <laughs> yeah, and it leads me nicely into a, a kind of a question that I've been pondering for myself and also asking guests about this manifestation concept because we've alluded to it there of visualizing where you want to be and knowing that you have to get there. But where I think people get this wrong is that you can visualize all you want, but you do have to make the steps and you do have to take the rough path. And it's not yes. easy, regardless if you still have it in your mind, you do have to make very rough decisions and very rough That's steps. Sad. Can you talk to me a bit more about manifestation? Manifestation. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. So actually our house is the perfect example of manifestation. Um, so here's how we started. Um, in the Philippines back in 2018, we only started to get um, active. 2018, that's not a very long time, right? Not at all, no. Yeah. We only started getting active in groups that were all for social impact, sustainability. We were making lots of friends. And then by 2019, we had to move. When we moved to Vietnam, we saw the opportunity lying there. And instead of getting paralyzed by like, oh, I don't have all of these um, steps. I don't have all of these backgrounds, like I don't have a business degree and whatnot, but what am I going to do? Well, okay, let's just do it. That's, a, that's the concept of, I think, that manifestation is not just to think it. Do it. Do it little by little. So we started, we started our house with just four rescue dogs. And, um, you know, I was a chef. <laughs> I, I had like 10 items on the menu and we were... I had um, a friend who was making um, what do you call this? nut grain milk. Right, sure. Yeah, and it, it's just you start small. You start small, take step little by little, get the adoptions done. We got the adoptions done. And as we realized, like, hey, okay, once we've done this first step, the next step becomes more apparent. And that's the concept of manifestation. If you try to say, like, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to think about the 20 steps that I'm going to take. Man, you ain't ever going to take that step. Yeah, <laughs> the thinking can actually cause you not to yeah. because you're thinking, oh, there's a lot of steps there. Yeah. No, it's easy just to sit here. Yeah, yeah. No, I won't bother. Absolutely. Exactly. It's like sitting in a car but not actually like turning yeah. the engine on or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, not even or letting the engine, the engine run yeah. and then like poisoning yourself yeah. accidentally. Yeah. You know? 
That's it's a good just, analogy. Yeah. It's it's you have to run. You have to run with it. Yeah. For and sure. um, yeah, I mean that that first step. The, it's kind of like going in a path where there is fog, right? Okay, you can just say like, I think my north star is there. I can't see the path ahead of me. I'm just gonna stay here and think about my north star. Yeah. Hopefully the fog will un unfog itself, unfold. But no, that's not what's going to happen. What you got to do is you got to take the tiniest step towards your North Star and a portion of the path will unfold in front of you. But you just got to keep moving. Yeah. You just got to keep being dedicated to it. And especially the small steps as well. Yeah. I think the, the key word is small. Like It yes. will be slow. There yes. will be tiny steps. But as long as you make a step, no matter yeah. how small it is key. And sometimes you'll even be crying yeah. you, you'll be like am i on the right path but that's okay and that's um also something like that's what stories are made of that's yeah. that's what you you know that's those are the kinds of things that people will say well holy crap you really went there and we're so proud of you yeah i've thought imagine a story without that setback <laughs> or without like the challenge in the middle it's there's just... there's absolutely no you know no, nothing to write home about exactly it's just <laughs> i went for a walk i made it that's yeah, it story that's over like... <laughs> <laughs> one paragraph uh we touched upon it and i think that's a nice avenue into our house uh just before we kind of go more into how it started and how it's developed mm. what is our house for those who aren't familiar okay. um our house is a place that doubles as a restaurant, cafe, lounge, but is also primarily a foster house for rescue dogs um, saved by local shelters from like true, like absolutely grueling abandonment and certain death. Right. So, you know, um, these are actually dogs that went through horrible trauma. And now when you come to our house, our house is a space where you can see them experiencing love being able to trust humans again yeah and the name our house is that to give it more of a community feel of our house yes literally yeah yes um the the funny thing was i thought of it like okay let's just call it rescue house and then my partner alex was like saying if you say rescue house everyone's gonna be leaving dogs at your doorstep <laughs> which happened actually right it really well. yeah it really happened but um then he said he was the one who said this let's call it our house and he, he loves puns, and I felt like that was that's amazing. That's exactly what the brand should be, because that gives it the feeling of inclusivity. And then, of course, it's just two syllables. It's much more easy recall, you know. So the branding was just like, that was a brilliant moment. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think puns can be underrated. They're often seen as like cringy, like quote-unquote dad jokes, but they can be brilliant for branding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. And... Uh, I was actually speaking, I do believe in like synchronicities. I was speaking to the owner of Laws for Paws Vietnam mm. yesterday, which is a weird coincidence because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just come at this timing. Um, how did it begin? Like, what was the main motivation then for our house? Like, when was the moment you thought, right, we need to start this project? Okay, um, that was because during our first day in Vietnam, um, we went to the shelter, one of the shelters that we work with now, and saw that they had hundreds of dogs hundreds and hundreds of cats and realize like this is a shelter that is doing so much amazing work but there is a missing link the missing link is that they are so far away from the city they don't have english communication um, they have too many dogs and they are unable to take in more dogs because 
many of the dogs have been living there for like five years that are already adoptable. And so we saw like a missing link. We realized like, hey, why don't we take as much adoptable dogs as we can and then bring them to a different place where people can meet them, fall in love with them, and adopt them. So on that first day, when we saw and also met our dog that we have now, um, his name is Knox, we just fell in love with him. And every single day, I tell, I tell you, like, he's the reason for the, um, for the our house idea. Because if we found our home in him, we know that others can find their home in other rescues too. Like, you know, we just feel so enamored. We feel so inspired knowing what Knox went through and knowing how much of a match he was to us. That gave us the motivation to really help people find their match as well in a much more sustainable way. Absolutely. And how have you seen our house develop perhaps from the early days when you first began mm. to now? What sort of things have you gone through on your journey? Oh gosh. Um, well, of course, like we've had, we've lost one dog to slaughter. Um, we've lost recently one cat to FPV. So with the journey comes losses. I think every journey comes with a loss, right? Um, we also, of course, handled financial difficulties, especially since we opened around the pandemic. Ah, yeah. That was the hardest part. Like, you know, the fact that we're still up and about right now is the biggest, like, form of success ever because we should not be surviving at this yeah. point when there was, like, how many months of lockdown? Four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was a draconian lockdown as well. Yeah. Like it, w it wasn't just a, a mini lockdown. It was serious. Yes. Like we weren't leaving the house. Yeah. yeah. And we were, um, when we had our second location, um, and they were starting the, as you mentioned, draconian lockdown. It was like, okay, um, we know that this is probably going to be hard. We're just going to pray to all the gods out there to help us. But we had to move because we didn't want, because the first location was separate from our house. And so we wanted to move to a location where we were living in the same place as the dog so that the slaughter, something like the slaughter wouldn't happen again. We, we can more easily access the dogs as needed. So um, around the first month, the first week of the lockdown, we still moved. And thankfully, no one stopped us. And so we moved like 20 dogs, 10 humans, all into a rundown mansion like it was not yet um constructed like um only one working toilet <laughs> oh wow. my god no working sink downstairs wow. yeah for for 20 dogs and 10 people throughout the lockdown you can just imagine that lord i was actually going to ask you about that lockdown period what did you do but that yeah. sounds epic in a way <laughs> that you know what we actually like really got to know each other i'm sure yeah. um, you know the team and they lived with us um we got to train the dogs really um it was it was it was scary it was fun because yeah we had each other and i think that's what we were lucky about we consider ourselves lucky because we had the company of 20 dogs and you know 10 other humans unlike most people who spent the lockdown completely isolated and yeah. 
Yeah, and especially, I'm just thinking of having 20 dogs around. You would never get bored. Never, <laughs> ever. That yeah. was, you know, it's actually, it's one of those, like, movie-like movie -like stories yeah. where it's full of challenges, but it's also like a dream. I know what you're saying, yeah. And what was, like, the biggest challenge, I guess, of this era? Because, of course, it does have its challenges, even though it has that movie-style dream feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the toughest part, would you say? The toughest part... Well, I mean, other than the non-working. Um, right, the financial aspects, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the toughest part was really, actually, I noticed this. Um, many of our members in the house felt that downness because they were so uncertain. They were also away from their families. We were away from our families. Like, yeah, we were, yeah. Until now, like you, right? So we had to get through that. We had to get through that uncertainty, and I think just not knowing, like we knew where we had, where we wanted to go, North Star again. But we were faced with the imminent, like feeling of like, are we gonna have to close down because we're never gonna um, financially recover from this? So it's not even about like literally having no finances, but just the fact, just the fear that the result of that will mean having to what let go of your responsibilities to 20 dogs in Saigon and 20 dogs in Saigon. yeah well, I can imagine and mm -hmm. when it got to October 21 2021 then and the lockdown has lifted how did you make the comeback we we just went 100% at it like as much as possible so they started allowing deliveries first yes. and we also um, actually during that time there was the stand for 16 movement um do you know the story of what happened to the 16 dogs no i don't actually please tell me yeah um so around that time when the lockdown was starting to be lifted but the other provinces were then getting stricter because the virus was starting to spread yeah, there i remember this but a lot of people had to make their way from saigon to their provinces um because they no longer had jobs here and so there was this senior couple who traveled on a motorbike with about 16 of their animals and people everywhere it was viral on Vietnamese social media because you can see all these like dogs and like all of their things it's amazing like that is the very concept of like not abandoning ever someone you love despite the fact that you've experienced so much challenges so they moved 300 kilometers to their province and when they reached a the province they tested positive for COVID and the local authorities there decided to cull all 16 of the animals with them so when that happened the whole Vietnamese animal loving community was enraged they even like um, you know people reached out to worldwide media just to be able to say just to be able to get their government to listen to them and to say never do this again this can never happen again and it really worked it worked um so the government became you know um really listened to their people because it started gaining um traction mm -hmm. internationally and yeah so from there what happened was we did a rescue road trip also alongside the opening of, of our house 
and it just so happened that that's when um, it was good luck that it kind of merged because our mission and our business increased the awareness when we did the first rescue road trip which was to help people get reunited with their pets where they were stranded between provinces right i see that does sound an incredible story and i love the aspect that people came together and actually rallied against yeah yeah And, and the whole thing like um i think we raised about 30 million dong for the first rescue road trip financed completely by the animal community wow yeah so i was i was the sole um well passenger other than the two drivers and we had about like what nine cats and four dogs traveling on this big van from saigon to hanoi across all the provinces and it was amazing and um putting that story out there really actually helped um, our house stay afloat because then people realize what we're about and that we have a mission deeper than just staying in business. And so we really got that support and yeah. in, in, in awareness. And if you had to clarify this mission, if you had to say what exactly it is, what would you say? Hmm. Rescuing, and this is the cliche, rescuing love. Okay. Yeah. Res- you know, with the rescue dogs, like, it's not just about the rescue dogs in particular, but about, like, how your commitment to certain things that you love should be like not abandoned, not forgotten. And so the mission, the mission um, of our house then was to help people like, you know, okay, you, ha- you went, you underwent this horrible time during the pandemic. You were um, separated from your family, your pets. We're here, we're going to reunite, reunite you with your pet and ensure that for this mission, rescue road trip number one, no other pet gets victimized by COVID. And is that what you're most proud of, would you say? Mm. From your journey so far, like your biggest, I guess, highlight or proudest moment? I guess so, because it was, um, it was an extremely uncertain journey. We didn't know if we were going to get stopped too. Yeah, of course. Right? Like that coming from that incident of the 16 animals getting killed, like we were just um, praying that things won't go that way because we had to undergo so many check um, checkpoints. And the good thing, that's the thing, uh, the good thing about that is because of the media attention that um, that action got, the government was then more relaxed about being able to transport animals all the way from Saigon to Hanoi. Yeah, of course. And I guess this is a bit more generic and it's a bit more focused on you personally, Geneva. What, how would you describe your role with Our House? You mentioned creative director, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, can you tell me a bit more about what you actually do, like what your job entails? Okay, um, I'm creative director and brand strategist Meaning, um, my partner Alex does the ops, so finances, operations, procedures. I'm the one who is in charge of making sure that the vision of our house comes to life. Meaning, um, you know, the social media posts that you see, um, all of the creative materials like the layouts and the menu, even the creative direction of the menu. Sure. Because I'm the one who's really obsessed with food. 
so um, I work with our chef to develop the menu. Uh, what else? Well, yeah. So conceptualizing the what we call initiatives to help propagate the mission of our house, which is, as, as mentioned, rescuing um, love and, and providing um, respite, yeah. um, reflections, you know, recreation, all of, all of the things that are stand, can stand for. Yeah, of course. We really try to propagate that in this space, and that's what I do. Like, all of the ideas, how can we do, um, for example... Oh, how can we raise more money for animal welfare? Oh, let's do an art fair, which we're going to do next month. Or like um, this weekend, we're going to have a sustainability market, but this time it's also for animal welfare. Right. So yeah. things like that, like I'm in charge of those. Right, okay. And where do you get like, your creative inspirations from? Is it variety of influences? Because as a creative director and also previously in advertising, you must have some kind of creative muse. Uh, where do you get it from, if I may ask you? Mm. Okay, as, as a person from advertising, you can't have just one muse. That's the thing. Because like you're gonna have so many brands to take care of with so many different personalities, quote unquote, and you have to have a mind like a sponge, and that's why um, actually I learned this from my parents back when I was young. You know, you have to have input. Any input is mostly good input, and you're only a some. You can be really smart about it by making even bad input good input because like oh. Like the advertising that was um, preying on the insecurities recently, you say, "Hey, this is bad input. Let me think. Okay, this is how to make good input or good good output." Yeah. Right, I see. And from what I'm gathering here, uh, all that you've learned from your career so far, whether this be advertising, whether this be uh, as a brand strategist, whatever it might be. If you had perhaps a couple of lessons for people to take away from what you've learned in these fields, and I am aware this is broad, what would you say they are? Lessons from advertising or yeah. lessons from my field? Uh, I'd say both. Maybe from advertising and from your field. Okay. Okay. So let's just say that people are capable of really, really terrible things. But... With that aspect in mind, people are also capable and mostly wanting to do great and good things. You know, um, I think that's a key, key takeaway um, for, for someone like me. Because like, okay, um, you can think about how people can be vain, or you can think about how people want to better themselves for their dreams. It's all about perspective. And that's something that in my, in my creative direction of our house and in my work in advertising as copywriter is all about. Like, it's all about perspective. How do you choose the perspective that best communicates and reaches and touches the hearts of people? Yeah, that links with empathy as well. Yes. Really getting into someone else's yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And I suppose coming to the end of the conversation, Geneva, uh, the question I always give the guest towards the end is a bit, again, quite broad. Uh, it's about future aims. So going forward with our house, perhaps, say, a year from now, 
if we were having this conversation, what would you like to have achieved? Mm. Okay. So recently, oh, um, we have we are currently actually undergoing through some struggle with our third branch because we had a viral outbreak of um, feline um, what do you call this FPV, which is a very lethal virus for cats, and so you know, by next year, considering what we've gone through and what we're currently going through, my partner and I's dream for our house a year from now is that stability. As I mentioned to you before, like, yeah. back then, my, um, my attack towards my North Star was tenacity. Now, my attack towards my North Star is peace. Right. Because... Again, we're, I'm, we've reached that segment where now that we've worked so hard to get to where we are, our job, since it's growing so much, is to keep the boat afloat and in more peaceful waters while we kind of like regenerate our yeah. energies. I think that's perspective as well, where you're looking perhaps from previous years and it would have been tenacious, yet now because of obvious circumstances with the pandemic, you think, right, I can be flexible about my route and have the perspective of where we're at realistically. Yeah. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Are we in the middle still? I'd probably say so. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed this, Geneva. Thank you very much for telling me all of these nuggets of wisdom, which I'll be taking forward, and I'm sure listeners will too. Have you got any final thoughts you'd like to add before we wrap up? Mm. Yeah, whatever you may, maybe somewhere that we can find out more about our house if anyone mm. was interested mm. in perhaps helping out or doing anything to kind of yeah, benefit yeah. your community. Okay, well, um, final thoughts are don't be afraid as, as, you know, as a podcast, you know this, don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to do things to get there, you know. Um, when it comes to life, the worst thing that you can do is staying still and keeping quiet. Yeah, that's very powerful. Thank you, Geneva. <laughs>